I'm more of an old timey person <laughs> trapped in a, young, you? a young body. How old are you? Uh, I thought I'm Let's interviewing you. Uh, okay. Do you want to? Do you really want to? I really want to really hold it. Just guess. That's no. Oh. Hey everybody, it's me, Will Hart. I'm here with the wonderful, over the top, tattooed wonderful. up, yes, uh, uh, almond butter full. Wow, uh, Chris Cruz. I thought you were making a reference to my skin. You almond I, butter. I, almond butter. I was. Well, yeah, I kind of have you, an almond butter just complexion. Ate some. Yeah, uh, and I did eat almond butter toast before this. Good to have you here, man. Yes. Welcome to uh, the green room. Yeah, I'm excited. It's, it's an fun. Irish Global podcast. Did you know that? Global. Irish Global. Worldwide. We're go- going global. We are. We're global. It's, are you global? <laughs> I'm global. Do you know that? <laughs> These guys, we're global here. Already, when you put global this is good. in a this is title, already good. it makes everybody recognize. Do you, is your, does your business card say global on it? Maybe. <laughs> Would you uh, judge me if no, it did? Uh, maybe. Your Instagram handle is Iris Global Will Hart. Dude, I'm not a good Instagrammer. No, I I'm, I don't picture you to be a good Instagrammer. Thanks. What the heck? Okay. <laughs> I don't Wrapping know it up. I it's don't, really don't, great don't, having great. you, Chris. So, awesome. Yeah. High five. <laughs> and we're done. Scene. I imagine you as a guy who harvests bees. Like, well, <laughs> I listen, we all have our gifts and talents. Yeah. But, I'm more of an old timey person <laughs> trapped in a, How young, old are you? a young body. How old are you? Uh, I thought I'm interviewing you. Uh, okay. Do you want to? Do you really want to? I really want to really know how old Just guess. That's. Uh, mm. I'll give uh, you a couple okay. of things. I got three kids. Yeah. Uh, I've been married 15 years. Okay. And uh, I'm gonna go 41. I've been in ministry 20 years. This. I'm gonna go 41. Year. 41. Ah <sighs> no. How old are you? I'm 37. Are you? Okay. I wasn't yeah, way I wasn't off. Way off. <laughs> I mean, but I feel like 40s yeah, and 30s. Okay. How nice. old are you? I am 32. I almost forgot for a second. You're 32. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you've been in ministry for a long time. Yeah. You got well, started yeah, young. As 20. Well. I uh, worked at the school of ministry when I was 22 here. So at Bethel, I, I went to school of ministry uh, when I was 20. Okay. And so then I did first year and then I did second year and then I got hired outside of second year. Okay. To, and right. And I was 22 when I got hired. So just in the beginning here, before we get too yeah. caught up in the weeds, uh, you are young adults pastor at Bethel, young adults pastor, but you yeah. also, you hold more than one title at Bethel, yeah, like everybody young adults Bethel. and yeah, and creative director creative. What does that mean? That means I, you have all the oversee- tattoos. No. Yeah. Cause Do I got tattoos. To have tattoos to be creative. I was the only person on the church leadership team with significant <laughs> tattoos. They're like, somebody has got to talk to the creative they're team. Like, and I'm like, hey, this guy, he's got a this guy. He's a, and tats. Yes. Yeah. And I dress nice. And so they're like, you must be able to, uh, you, yeah, you do dress nice. I do. I do pride myself. I didn't know your name. Not as nice as Corey uh, Perkins. No, no, but he does. He does talk about you a lot. I didn't know your name, but I knew you as the dude that walked around with a hat, like the brim. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, there's a dude that loves a brimmed hat. Yeah. I, if I could wear more brimmed hats, I would. What is it? What do you call that? It's not a fedora, not a fedora. No, it all depends on the kind of hat you have. It has a name for them, but I don't know all the names, but I would like a wider brimmed one right now. (laughs) If I could talk to you in detail about my hat collection, I have a friend. I have a friend. You know Jordan DeMarco? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. So Jordan wears a hat every day of his life. He does not. There's only, you could probably count on two hands the amount of times he hasn't worn a hat. Okay. Wedding is one of them. Okay. Nine days. But we did a math, we did math because he doesn't buy cheap hats. And so he buys like Ebbett Fields felt hats and leather straps, all that stuff. So we did a, we we checked all his hats. We said, how many hats do you have? Let's find out how much you actually have spent in hats. And it's like, Almost like six grand. Oh my god! In hats. Why? In baseball caps. Why? Not like nice for doors. In Why? baseball caps because he just he has a different hat for every that day. Doesn't make sense <laughs> to me. I mean, and he's successful in life. Yeah. 
But I just don't understand that. Yes, he loves hats. Yeah, sports, wow. all kinds of sports. So I just talked with right, actually today. Well, I, we probably shouldn't say this because mm-hmm. we shoot these randomly, right, right, and yeah, I didn't change my clothes. But no. earlier today, yeah, uh, we had Jake Hamilton in. Oh, nice. And we talked yeah. about the whole Balenciaga. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That did thing. he stage that? What? Did he stage that? Well, you have to listen to the podcast. Okay. <laughs> but now I got to listen. Like, he gave all the details. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that dude staged that. The way it looked, I was like, he staged that. I don't want to say <laughs> anything, but he's told stuff on here that he hasn't shared anywhere else. Okay, good. I'm really excited. And you should listen to it. it yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, but he he hit some topics there about finance and the church. And oh, let me just say, if he were Let's to not stage talk about that, that, if he <laughs> were to stage it, uh, it it would be pretty pretty sick. Yeah, pretty epic. I bet. <laughs> I'm and, a, and let me just say, he's an epic kind of guy. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm like, I, I don't want to talk about church and finances. So. <laughs> I don't either. Neither do I. So, no, but uh, I don't I mean, have that can. kind of shoes. Okay. So uh, young adults pastor. Yeah. Uh, give me the age bracket. Oh God. Uh, Eighteen. Do you not know the ages? Well, of your... it's it's ifish. It depends, right? It's like eighteen to twenty nine, thirty. Like we we re- our average age is probably like twenty five. 25. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we have people that are older, but they're part of our team. So then that messes with numbers. Okay. But your, yeah. your main dev demographic is yeah. 18 to 20. Yeah. Maybe. College age ish okay. after college a little bit like that gap season of life where they're not quite like that's a jacked up season. Yes. For okay. A lot of people. And yes. then you do arts directive. Creativity. Yeah. Yeah. But what's that right now is just starting. That's in the last like four or five months and okay. helping with that. Yeah. Mostly it's been Primarily, has been young adults. And outside of that, it was school of ministry. Married yeah. wife, yes. yeah, married. Kiddos. Yes, my wife. Uh, my wife is gorgeous. She's amazing. Um, she. Every ha- pastor has yeah. to say that about. Yeah, them. they have to. I've but never met. I used one to. Before. I used to hear people say, and I used to say it as well, like that. I'm. Uh, I married up, and so then I one day I said that implies that my wife married down. That's true. <laughs> I was like, she's You're not like, that dumb. We married no way. Yeah, yeah, I was like, we just, I was like, no, I didn't marry up, and you married down. That's not how that. Like, no. Uh, but she's so I. She's my like. I would call her now when I go places. I'm like, she's just this straight up dream come true. So you're like, all right, better than I imagined. Mm-hmm. Dream come true life. My wife, I have two kids, son that's three and a half. She older than you? No. Okay. No. Younger. Younger. Yeah, about like a year. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, basically that's a, yeah, she's Canadian. So oh. we met in school of ministry. I got her a green card. So okay. that's. My, I that's got my wife claim. a green card. Too. Hey. Yes. That's it. The no. worst process I've ever been Bro, it's through. It's so expensive. It's expensive and ridiculous, but anyway. Yeah. And okay. so you do all the paperwork and did all that so we, we met in school of ministry in first year okay yeah the school and um yeah so she she's right now just crushing the mom life and then starting to transition into work now awesome yeah so you're a key member of really Whoa. influential it's true yeah right you're okay. a, you're a key member of i'm getting encouraged influential <laughs> church around the world yeah. right yeah. Mm-hmm. and how do you navigate that you got you got a lot of alphas on staff <laughs> a lot of like and I'm I'm quite a dominant personality too. Well, that's the thing. Like when I was when I had Eric in here, we were yeah. chatting. I was like, you have like forty number ones. Yeah, oh my gosh, I don't know envy him. I, well, you're a part of that. Yeah, that's so hard. How, how do you guys doing how so, do you navigate that? He's doing he's doing a phenomenal job navigating the reality of what that is. But I don't know. I honestly don't. I'm I'm more like I try to stick to my lane. Just try to do what I'm supposed to be doing and lend my strength to where I can lend my strength to help. That's how even how the creative 
part of my role came to be just like lending my strength in one of Eric's. You probably talked about it. His season that he calls his Dark Night of the Soul. Oh, season. yeah, we went yeah, there. Yeah, okay, good. We went. Oh, good. We went there for like 40 minutes. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Which I that, wanted. It was great. Yeah, yeah. So in this season, we, in that season, I helped take up some of the stuff that he was doing with creative, and, mm-hmm. and then that evolved into the role that I am with creative now. So just Have trying to let my strength. Down? No. Okay. No, no. But I've had quite the transformation like the last few, especially the last few years. I'm not making light of Eric's no, breakdown, no, by the way. No, I don't. But it was, no. We actually brought it up. I said, like, this is actually happening in a lot of yeah. leadership. No, I didn't. I had, I would say, like, when my kids were born, my first son. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had been on staff at the church already for, like, almost seven years. And so I, I was in leadership doing life. And, and then I think my son came onto the scene and I was like, what is all this stuff going on inside me on a whole nother level? And so that sent my wife and I on an incredible journey of like deep spiritual formation, probably spent the last three and a half years kind of just devouring everything that we could devour in in a part of a movement that probably initially felt a little foreign to me, mm-hmm. which is a lot of the spiritual formation movement. So reading a lot of stuff from- Spiritual formation, what do you mean? Yeah, like Dallas Willard, yep. Richard Foster, some of these guys who are bringing forward the the disciplines and spiritual practices. Um, and so I started reading them, Peter, uh, Peter Scazzaro, and, uh, who has, who's written Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, reading Ru- Ruth Haley Barton stuff on Invitation to Solitude and Silence. I've spent the last three, yeah, three and a half years, my son's three and a half, yeah, so three and a half years, almost revamping, I would say probably a large majority of my walk with Jesus, like to where it feels like the last three and a half years has transformed so much so that I, like I just finished, even before I came to this, I was working with, um, talking with Gabe and some other people on finishing up what I've created was like a tool for people to spend time with God. Yeah. And it's called the practice of being with Jesus. And so there's just ways for people to engage with being with Jesus. That's come out of this three and a half season of deep, inner work that isn't like, sometimes it feels like I'm going through like therapy, but other times it it feels like I'm truly kind of finding what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that led to teaching at Bethel's uh, Life of a Disciple series where we started. I saw saw a little bit of that that online. Yeah. 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 So I started that series, um, meaning starting, meaning I was the first speaker to do it. And so then um, that kind of led to that teaching about holistic formation and following Jesus, not by name only, but by nature and figuring out what does that actually mean to be like Jesus? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will reduce being like Jesus to um, doing what Jesus did. And so there, there's a question of like, hey, w- becoming like Jesus doesn't simply mean I can do what Jesus did. And a lot of times when we even go to do what Jesus did, there's an element, especially in the charismatic stream, that is tied to signs, wonders, and miracles mm-hmm. doing what Jesus did. Yeah. But then you you have another part that is like, do what Jesus did, don't be angry, or do what Jesus did and be peaceful and right. um, have the fruit of the Spirit, and then do what Jesus did, love your enemies. And then there's this whole like push to be like, all right, just love your enemies. And then everybody's like, how do I how do I actually do that? And so finding out how do you become a good tree that bears good fruit has been the last like three and a half seasons versus going, how do I have good fruit going? How do I become a good tree that bears good fruit? And um, so that's, that's where the discipleship holistic spiritual formation kind of like has been the last three and a half years. You mentioned the charismatic movement. You consider yourself a part of the charismatic movement? Yeah. Well, I'm like, it's for me, it's really hard to, my brain goes like this. Theologically, my brain goes, there's no way to to be a Christian and not be a charismatic. Right. But the idea that the charismatic movement is what I came into through the through an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Tell me about that. So uh, in 2005, I had I was in the living room. Well, first of all, I was upstairs in a bedroom just on MySpace because MySpace was a thing then. I remember. Yeah, so I, I was remember. upstairs on MySpace <laughs> trying to, to, honestly, trying to figure out how to get with this girl. 
And so, <laughs> and then my, my parents were doing a Bible study in the, in the living room with like maybe five to six other people or something like yeah. that. Some cousins were there. Um, I can't remember many other people being there. So Your it was small. pastors? I don't want to no. Okay. I'm just trying no, to get just be, Yeah, no, not pastors. Uh, we were driving like an hour every Sunday to go to church in Staten Island where it was the only church that we would see that would kind of have anything my parents were looking for. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm doing whatever I want. Like, I'm just, like, I'm not like, I'm not the like end of the like drug addict spectrum, but I'm not like the kid that's going to church. I'm just living for right. myself, just right. doing my own way of things. And so um, addicted to pornography, all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And so... Um, my parents are holding a Bible study, kind of just hosting it at the house. And this, this, uh, couple whom I've never met before, uh, friends of my, my mom's sister. So my aunt, they came and when they came, they said, Hey, we have a, a prophetic word for your son. And so I was like, sure, I'll come oh. down. And so I came downstairs, uh, and I sat in a chair and they started to prophesy over me. When they started to prophesy over me, it was as if like, it was this impending like force that started to come. I could feel it like coming towards me almost. Right. And um, and then it when it hit it hit me and all of a sudden I burst over like curl over and out of, out of my mouth flows a whole other language. I have no <laughs> idea what it is. And then I'm just tears streaming down my face, so incredibly hot and burning up. And then I, I said, while that is externally happening internally i'm feeling this completing love like this love that almost completes yeah. the circle of my life just everything that was i was lacking yeah. just starts to just be made up in me so i'm feeling all kinds of self-worth which is so weird right because we're like oh when we find god we're going to be infatuated with god which is yeah. true but all of a sudden i find that all my insecurities started like being removed and i feel this love that makes me feel valuable and cared for yeah, yeah. and all of that so i'm just like overwhelmed with god's love for me overwhelmed with like feeling this is the very thing i was needing in my life and never found the only thing that i experienced prior to that was when i would go to church with my parents i would Worship times, I would grab the front of my seat because I would all of a sudden start to get tears as my like my body was reacting to presence, not yeah. even knowing what's going on. And so I would yawn to fake it, to try to get rid of the tears, to make it feel like I was yawning my morning, like yawn. Uh, but then I had this encounter with him and overnight, just completely different person. And you were how old? Oh, that was 18. Yeah, I think it was or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Close to it. But like uh, overnight difference. Like I went from a kid who was up in his bedroom looking at pornography to praying for a revival. And like you don't overnight. know who these people were? I didn't meet them beforehand, no. I know them now. I don't know who they are now, uh, but the beforehand, no. Oh, and they blew a shofar in my chest, so super okay. Pentecostal yes. charismatic, yeah. So where did so they come from? I'm they, interested. Where, where, they were, where, where from they, D.C. They from? They're from okay. D.C. area. They know my aunt. My uncle works for the government, so they all are connected to each other. Um, and they came up with you. They do like little ministry stuff with people, yeah. and they were friends of my aunt's, and so they came over, and they they prophesied and blew that shofar. And when they blew the shofar is when it actually hit me. That's when yeah. everything like happened, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And yeah. so I was complete radical life change. Like I'm, I'm not like talking like, oh, it took me a little bit of trickling back in. Right. It was overnight. Just completely different life, and you didn't look back. No, not okay. So you not you, once. I, I that was my story. Oh wow! It, I mean, not with the show. Yeah, far, yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, you can. But we small meeting, right? Yeah. Rat, my first encounters with love. Aren't, aren't you power. so thankful that you have people who are committed to small meetings and don't? I love big it. Big sizes because you're like that stuff. People like you and I encounter God in these places that are not stadiums, and we're like, 
Thank God for people who are faithful. Dude, it, like some, you, were t- you were looking at Matt's yeah. t-shirt, Summer yeah. Tour. Yeah. That whole thing came out of, I, we will go anywhere. Like, yeah. I don't care how much wow. money you have or how many people. It's cool. We're going to go and we'll, we'll tour. And we, yeah. we did everything from living rooms. That's awesome. To, you know, yeah. big big churches yeah. with a thousand. I love but, it. But I find that those smaller meetings yeah. are so powerful because... There are people out there that are hungry yeah. and they can't fly to yeah to totally oh, they yeah. can't go to a conference they don't have mm-hmm. the money yeah and, but 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 that hunger that yeah. hunger is in them yeah absolutely and so whenever you show up yeah you know there's so much they're so they're like so grateful mm-hmm. and it's like the, the home group everybody's yeah. been you I with our young adult ministry when I, I took it over so Jeremy Riddle started our young okay. adult ministry and so I was with him just behind the scenes helping him when we t- when I took it over one of the things I did was started um, doing home gatherings. So we would give up one of our corporate gatherings to do a home gathering. And so, and and the reason why we even did that was I said, it was rare, if not at all, that I found a leader that I deeply admired and had influenced me that didn't have some connection to a home group in their life. Yeah, That was like at some season of their life, they may not currently have been in one, but at some season of their life, they were involved in some kind of intimate gathering for a season of life. Right. And so we knew that we've got to incorporate that somehow that smaller gathering that isn't bells and whistles that is just pure hunger yeah that is it, it weeds out small gatherings weed out spectators oh yeah and yeah. and like it takes away all the fluff everything else Absolutely. and puts all the focus on yeah. your relationship with Jesus totally. and when you're a small group you can't yeah. hide yeah I, th- I think it was i think it's Leonard Ravenhoe who talks about the idea that the the strength of your church is in the prayer meeting that no one, like yeah. to finding out who attends your prayer meeting. Yeah, yeah. That's your, like, that's your strength at where, who comes to the prayer meeting? So you got radically saved. Yeah. Right. And gave your life. Yeah. What brought you out here? So I was, um, so after I had that radical encounter with the Holy Spirit, just hungry for God and like <clears throat> recognizing that it wasn't the churches here where I was at weren't doing anything in where were you exactly? New Jersey. Uh, New, New Jersey. So, yeah. Okay. And so, um, I went with my parents to one night of a conference, um, and it was uh, I've, it was in it was in uh, Cranford, New Jersey, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And there was um, um, Ray Hughes was there. Um, <laughs> no yeah, so it was Ray Hughes. It was supposed to be uh, John Paul Jackson, mm-hmm. but he couldn't make it. So it was Ray Hughes, Todd Bentley. Um, there were some other people there that were at the conference, and I just rem- I went up to Ray Hughes, and he was talking about the Summer of Love Tour, two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, at the Call in Nashville. Yeah, and he was talking about it, and I said, you know what? Like, I'm going to go talk to this guy and find out about it. And so I go talk to Ray Hughes. I've told him this story since. And I said, I walked up to him. I was like, hey, I want, like, this just, like, I'm like 18 or something like that. And I'm just walking up to him. And he's like, boy, there's a trumpet in your mouth. And I didn't even know what to do. And I just started shaking. And I just ran away. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even know what to do with that. You know, I'm not living in any, like, prophetic culture that I got prophesied over, but not regularly living in this thing that's like people are prophesying over me all the time. So I experienced that and I go to the Summer of Love tour. But before that, I um, I saw somebody's intern and I was like, hey, there's there's something different right. about you. Um, and I don't know what it is, but there, I just noticed it. Where did you go to school? And I thought, I'm going to go to Bible college. You right. know, I grew up in New Jersey. So the, the Bible college that I grew up was like Valley Forge Christian College. Right. And you're like just quintessential evangelical Christianity. And so I... I was like, oh, well, you know, well, I guess that's the only really option. And then they, they said, oh, I went to Bethel. And I was like, what is Bethel? I have no idea what that is. So I went, looked online, and out of the, all the other schools outside of like a four-year degree college, Bethel's website was probably the most legitimate looking yeah. at the time. And so then I 
I was like, well, I'll apply here. They can't deny me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Right. Like, how do you deny somebody into a Christian school who's a Christian? Right. That was my thought process. Little do I know now working at the school, you do, you do deny people. Um, and so, yeah, I found out about it. My mom was like, oh, that's Bill Johnson's school. I was like, I have no idea who that is. And so. Mom's knew. Yeah, mom. She yeah, knew. she knew. She's she so, knew what was yeah, up. Yeah, she knew exactly what was going down. And so, um, yeah, and then I, so I applied and got interviewed and got accepted and flew out with my parents and the school of ministry in 2000, that was 2007. Okay, so fast forward, how did you go, jump from student to being a leader on staff, which I feel like is most students like dream of a yeah. lifetime. Man, I tell them like all my scars on my face are my, <laughs> like my first year of staff. Like I got so many, like so many stories on being a young pastor, like that were I'm like, wow, okay. I had some st stuff being young. Um, but the idea was I went through school ministry, dude, it's so real. You're like, I tell students, I'm like, you all think you're nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, but there's a truth in there. Sometimes it comes out, but uh, anyway, so I, I did school and ministry and in first year, it was like, first year was radical for me. Um, first year was probably one of the wildest years of my life because, you know, I'm single got friends who are passionate about God yeah. first time in my life while at the same time hearing in school that you can see miracles going like, all right, well, what, what am I going to do with my time? If not just go and see God move. Yeah. So we would hear people come through all these people come through and tell testimony after testimony. So I was like, let's, let's just start going. So my friends and I would just go out on the streets like all the time praying for the sick and see some of the most incredible things happen. Right. Just radical stuff, shouting out of car windows, just all kinds of stuff. Right. Practicing words of knowledge, just learning all this stuff and just growing in it. And so then I, we did that a ton. I got a scholarship to go to second year. And so then I, I went to second year and then second year, first year was like, I feel like I learned the acts of God. I'm like, yeah. all right, I learned how he moves in that way. Like, wow, power, the acts of God. Second year was, was like the ways of God. I'm going, mm -hmm alone with God for hours, just by myself, no one like just less of an external like power kind of thing, but more of an internal deep work and, and knowing an intimacy with God. And so then at the end of that, um, I planned on doing an uh, internship. I was yeah. talking with Bill about doing an internship with him, with him. And so then at the end of that, Eric was like, Hey, what, like, what do you think about coming on and being a rival group pastor? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like you're throwing off my plans. One, I plan on doing an internship, but then two, I'm like, this would be amazing. And then I'm struggling back and forth. Should I do this? Should I do this? And then, uh, I hear the Holy spirit tell me, um, if you don't do this, you're going to destroy what you're called to build. If you don't learn how to pastor, Wow. he's like, if you don't learn how to pastor, you're going to destroy what you're called to build. So I had to learn how to pastor people. And so that's what I loved about my seven years in school of ministry is learning how to grow people, like truly learning how to develop people, pastor them and grow them. Yep. That was what my seven years in school was outside of the inner work the Lord did in my leadership as a young leader, kind of just dealing with all the things I had to learn and what it meant to be a son and how to, how to be a good son. And, um, and so I learned in school of ministry how to pastor people. And then after that, obviously becoming young adults pastor, but yeah, so that's how I came on there. Come on. So yeah. now you have, you have, how many, how many people are you pastoring right now? In young adults? Yeah. Um, uh, I say average people that come is like 200 people on a, that's average. So oh, that's like a weekday. Yeah. Yeah. On okay. a Tuesday night, we may have 200, may have more, may have less. The young adults are, it's, it's hard because you're also dealing with young adults. Mm -hmm. And so there's an element to that that is like, we may see them once a month. Right. And so one person comes once a month, the other person comes three times, the other person comes every week. 
And so there's a spectrum that come on, on that. What's the biggest difference you're seeing in like when you, when you got saved, encountered mm-hmm. Jesus at 18 mm-hmm. and the 18 year olds now, mm-hmm. like what, what do you, Oh, there's the like, or I was, is there? you know, Bethel's a lot more familiar than it was when I was 18. Yeah. Like it's people know Bethel a lot more. There's been massive events, all kinds of stuff. So I think there's a, um, I think there can be a tendency to feel like, you know, the stuff right. without experiencing the stuff. And so okay. there's, there, there can be a tendency to be like, I, I know it because I've sat in it. I've heard right. it. I've watched it taught. Are you talking and about like the miracles? You're talking about like the heart of God? Teach, like the teachings anything. probably more than anything. Um, because I, I would even say for a lot of them, they, they may have seen miracles, but the miracles I probably saw were maybe more in like um, provision miracles. Mm-hmm. They're seeing God come through for them and finances yeah. or something like that. But even just the teachings, like, because it's so, especially when I came to school, social media didn't exist really. Right. Like you had MySpace, but you didn't have Instagram. You didn't have any of these things. So there's such a widespread knowledge of what we're, what is being taught now Yeah, that wasn't there. So you yeah. actually had to get there right. to be there to learn it. Dude, I know that. I and, literally yeah. know that yeah. that time. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, th- there's a difference that that is that like, all right, I've got to be there to mm-hmm. get there. So now the, the digital age, you know, I, I said, I did a talk at one of our leaders conference and I, and I, I said like, Essentially, there's this modular spirituality happening where I go to your church for worship via online, right. your church for teaching online, and then I go to this community group. So there's this like custom built spirituality that I can, I don't actually have to be rooted anywhere and I don't have to be hungry for God to move there because yeah. I can just go get worship from this place online and that just completely satisfies me. But then I don't ever like, I don't have to, I don't have to be hungry for God to move somewhere and stay there long enough because if I'm not getting it, I can go somewhere else. I mean, and are you, you're seeing that a lot. Yeah. I see people transient, like moving around different places. I would say that's some of the stuff I see. The stuff I see more is, is more like, um, the modular spirituality is a real deal. Like the, how does church actually do church now when church is online Mm -hmm. is a real question. Like, how do you, how do you actually move beyond it being something you listen to as a teaching time and a worship time that. It's just so like you pop on YouTube and listen to some of the best preachers in the world right. and never l- get out of your pajamas. Right. So that, how does, that doesn't work in my no. mind. Like I, no. and I'm, no, I don't, I'm with I you. feel like I'm sounding like an yeah. old, like an no. old guy, but, no, like, but I'm with I you. don't see that working ever. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's like supplementary. I think it's like complementary to the reality of being rooted somewhere. Right. I think if it takes up your existence, I could see like places like in communist China, totally, kind of like of time course. periods, no, things no, no. like that. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, online, maybe something that you, right. that the people groups that can't get reached, which in ways I'm like, cool. But like, and most are, I feel a specific call to the like Western American church. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, people are like, I want to go to the nations global. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I actually want to figure out like here, mm-hmm. like where, like, I feel like I'm called here. And, um, I think some of that is the, the widespread of, of all like the digital platforms that make it, I call it cheap intimacy. Like there's this idea that you saw a quote online right. that made you feel good. Right. You watched a two minute worship set that made you become aware of presence and your friends encouraged you. And you got this sense of intimacy and belonging and community that just isn't real. And so there isn't concrete relationships that happen that like I, your Instagram friends can't um, hold your baby when you're in the ER. No. Like when you got to go to the ER, your your ten thousand followers who encourage you when you're having a bad day and you post about it can't watch your kids. So how do you pastor in the middle of this? So we, we're trying to like what I tried to do is go like I took bills like 
am a build big people, mm-hmm. not a big ministry. So I'm going, how do we build teams and really invest in those teams and develop these concrete relationships? And hopefully that'll start to replicate itself. But going deep with this group of people that wants to go deep, instead of thinking, I'm going to go shallow across the waters because I can't go deep with anybody. I'm going to go, I'm going to go deep with this group of people and hope that it has some kind of multiplying effect. Interesting, but you, we're we're in the middle of teaching our young adults all about how to do relationships, how to not dating relationships yeah. that's included, but in an age, you have to teach people how to actually sit with other people and how to love people and how to like realize, oh my gosh, like I I have to figure out what does it mean to create space for people and commit and not be like, oh, it's not super convenient for me to reach out to you today, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's not. It's not super convenient for me to pastor you in your mess. Right. Like we're all like the convenience bar is gone. We've all said no to convenience. Like where did like, where we're all like, it's not convenient. I'm like, we, um, yeah, don't follow Jesus. Like, are you, are you, are you finding a lot of like in the middle of all this? Are you finding a lot of universalism creeping in? The, 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 sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. Are you, are you Uh, seeing that? I, where I see universalism come in is a lot of the deconstruction guys, like people who start to question. The other thing is like what I've seen in in millennials and young adults, which I have, uh, like I'm one of them, right? I'm on the edge of that thing. And Mm -hmm. I talked to Eric about this This is why I did a talk at, at our leaders conference on it because we have a generation that's growing up and maturing now is in that place of maturity. Like they're in their thirties. Yeah. And so where they were critiqued more than they were celebrated. And so you have such a, a list and they, and they saw like, think about their coming of age season and you have, you have failure after failure of church leaders and political leaders. Yeah. You've got a bill Clinton, you've got a, just church, you can just list them off, but you've got all these authority figures falling and being raised in that conditioning them to go, what is authority like? And so when we say, oh, they have authority issues, I'm like, because the generation before them failed. So I'm like, if we want to have this unique perspective on millennials, we have to understand the context that they were, they were developed in, they were grown in. And so they, they're very aware of what is wrong with them because they get told that way more than others. But in that, they have this deep longing for a, um, what I would call this like if authentic spirituality, right? A spirituality for all of life. Yeah. And not just how do I attend church? Mm-hmm. Not just how do I vote the right way? Not how do I <laughs> sit in the right seat and give the right amount of money? Yeah. And so they, they know they're way more global. And so when they start to feel like um, nationalism cheap, like comes in, they start to, things start to come into their hearts that didn't come into their hearts in previous generations. Right. And so what they end up finding is they have these questions and previous generations uh, were very, very like established in the, in the, like I would call like established in the organization, like trusting the organization, trusting yep. the, the power structures, trusting the people at the top. This, this next generation, well now not the next current, like the largest living generation is millennials right now. Mm-hmm. And so going this group of people, who have these questions before are meeting the previous generation saying this, we didn't ask questions. We just right. did. Right. So when we hear, when we ask a why and no one tells us why we're like, we're, we get called, um, doubters. We get called entitlers. We are entitlers. We get called, we have entitlement <laughs> or like, just why can't you just have faith? Right. And you're like, wait, wait, wait a second. Like I, I'm watching young adults give genuine questions because they want to own their faith. Right. 
and they their questions to a generation who doesn't know what to do with those questions, stigma gets created, yeah. and then they go to people who are answering. That's where the universal right. income comes in. Right, is because they have a group of people who are willing to talk to them. Right, and go, your questions are welcome here. Right, and they're like, finally, and then all of a sudden, it's an influx of really bad theology. So, so like you yourself, mm-hmm. you obviously you're, yeah. you read. Yeah, you're Tons. like I can. I, yeah. I, I saw it on your. Yeah, I did a little Instagram. Oh, I did a little yeah, Facebook. Yeah, because I want to. I want to see. Yeah, yeah. And I, I read tell, a ton. I mean, there was one. There was a couple things that stood out. You love yeah, good food. Yeah, good food. You love. Absolutely. You love creativity. And yeah. You love to read. Yes. And I read so, a ton. The, theology yeah. wise, yeah. Have you, are you going down that track? Have you, so, have you studied? So yeah. So like I've. I'm not like. I tell my friend, my friend is pursuing his doctorate and I mm-hmm. go, I get to read all the books I want to read right. and not have to write the papers. <laughs> so I'm like, that's, that's the easy part. But I, uh, so I, when I came to school in ministry again, like when I was in high school, didn't read books. I can't even remember yeah. the, any books I read in high school. Maybe <laughs> the book they told me to read. Right. I can't remember any of the books I, I read. I don't remember any yeah. of them, but yeah. Yeah. And so I came, when I came to school of ministry and they're like, okay, you got to read all these books and stuff. Right. I'm like, okay. And then I can distinctly remember, I can put it, I could take you in my journals and go like, right here is when the Holy Spirit touched my mind, right. did something to me that was unmistakable and irreversible. And I read 15 books in a, like in less than a month. Yeah. I was devouring them. I was, it was like God was sitting in there talking to me mm-hmm. nonstop. As I'm reading other people's books, I'd be stopping to write down everything God was talking to me yeah. about. And so from that point, it kind of get a launching pad into just studying theology and asking questions. So then Dan Fairley is a big yeah. part of my life. Yeah. Dan Fairley, for those of you that don't know who are watching, Dan Fairley is part of the senior leadership team at Bethel. Yeah. He's a dean of, the, of BSSM. So he's a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. Every Thursday I meet with him and a couple other guys um, and, and a girl, Elizabeth. She, we all meet and we talk theology. Where yeah. all our, I tell Dan, you, you essentially saved me at times where I had big questions that I'm like, what do I do with these big questions um, that a lot of my generation had right. that Dan would help me walk through and help me see that there is another way to see things than what I was told to right. see things a certain way. So theology is a big part of my life. I love it. Theology fits into the category for me. I don't like some people are like, oh, you just, th- you just love theology. I go, theology matters in spiritual formation because 100%. that's where it matters for me. I'm like, yeah. not just as I want to head knowledge, I want to convert that head knowledge into formation of my, my life. Your theology dictates yes. literally your entire faith. Yes. It's so important. Yeah, exactly. So, so there's, you're, you're a guy that, the little that I've met you, the yeah. little I've seen you, the little I've heard, and yeah. everybody just talks the world about you. That's you're awesome. not scared of tackling anything, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. So there's nervous. a lot of questions that get asked yeah. about Bethel, yeah, like theology, like yeah. oh, totally. Like, and I and how how do you balance that with yeah. your students? Do you yeah. tackle those things? Mm-hmm. Do you, especially yeah. in this in this age where stuff is posted yeah. online, totally obviously engage in that. Your yeah. students yeah. obviously engage yeah. in that. How are you? Like, how do you battle these things that come? Mm-hmm. They might read online, see yeah. online, Bethel's this, yeah. Bethel that. Uh, I think a couple of things I think about when I started engaging with people is, one, just because we're on the same team doesn't mean we all agree. And so that's what's shocking when people come and find out about us, <laughs> is like, we don't all agree on this on stuff. Right. And so we don't gather around how much we agree with each other. We gather around how much we love one another. Right. And so that idea gives room for a diversity of perspectives on stuff that isn't core essential stuff. Right. right. Like, all right, Jesus is Lord? Yes. Yeah. 
Okay, done. Like we're not, that's not up for debate. Is, is hell real? <laughs> yes. Is it real? What is the nature of hell? Right. We can discuss. Yeah. We can figure out. And so there's a differing opinion on all kinds of stuff that isn't essential to like, all right, this is the, the core stuff we believe. And then there's stuff that is like core to Bethel. And if you're gonna have a hard time being right. here, if you don't see it like that, not because we won't, don't want you here right. and you'll get pushed out, it's just going to be cons consistently uncomfortable. Yeah. The idea that God is good and you won't see a blame shift to God yeah. for the suffering you're experiencing, yeah. that, that's uncomfortable, uncomfortable for people because it raises more mystery. Yeah. And that's where I ultimately help young adults understand if you don't have mystery, which is the healthy place your questions should land, mm -hmm. is can I live in mystery? God is known and unknown, knowable and not knowable, like completely seen and completely unseen. Like the idea that I have to live within that space, that is God is knowable and unknowable. If I can live there, I live in mystery, which means like to Bill's point, Bill would say that if you don't have any questions, then God is probably, you probably made the God the size of you. Right. So the idea that God is bigger than you, therefore you should have questions, you should yeah. have mystery. What you do with those questions really matter. I was just talking to a guy, a pastor out of a church in Pacific Northwest, just outside of Portland. And we were talking and there's a difference between, um, I have questions and mystery meaning I'm looking for myself to be anchored in faith versus right. I have questions that I'm looking to prove my doubt. Right. Like there's, there's two different ways, right? And the doubters doubt, so to speak, if you put it that way, yeah. the doubters doubt is faith. Yeah. So the person who's on the doubt side, doubting life, the things that go on in their mind yeah. are, could this be true? Right. Could all of this be true? Yeah. And so we're, we're hoping that you can get to a place of mystery where God's presence satisfies you. Yeah more than your answers do because your faith isn't in answers. And that's where it's like for me really important is I go, my faith isn't is in, uh, is in a person, not in my answers. Because if it's in my answers, then I will be only as peaceful as my answers are proven correct. Hmm. And so what ends up happening, life throws curveballs, yeah. and all of a sudden my answers don't feel as concrete. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, my faith is over. And, I, and I, I'm going, no, 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 what, what's actually happening is it's an opportunity for you to have faith in the person beyond what you know. Come on. Beyond what you're capable of remembering or understanding, going, okay, that's what I'm, I want you to find, and that's mystery as well. I, 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 love, um, I love Bethel. Yeah. Uh, even even at, uh, at BSSM, I teach second year mm -hmm. in uh, a missions class. Yeah. And I... I share things like I share yeah. about suffering. Yeah, yeah. We like at Iris, one of our yeah. core values is we have an understanding of suffering. Yeah, and and I find a to like an open door to yeah. come in and preach things where students yeah. are like, ah, uh, this yeah. doesn't line up with everything. Right, and and I find that I have a massive open door, and that's yeah. one of the things that I love yeah. about about absolutely about Bethel is there there is so much how like, to think. Yep, diversity, not just what to think, and 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 experience, and I just love the fact they're on a journey. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's interesting because even the suffering thing is interesting for me because there's a reality on def like I, in this past three and a half years of deep spiritual formation, you realize like what you what has what is categorically like just pain mm -hmm. and enduring of pain right. versus the like the attribute, attributing of sickness. Yeah. To somebody. So like, right. I'm like, I'm probably way more like you, but then you would probably think on that stuff. But it's, it's just, I think it, it's a testament though, to the idea that what a lot of people don't understand about Bethel is that it is very welcoming of different perspectives. Totally. Like people might think like it's a place where they just shut you down and they're just like, no, you can't, 
I, I've never experienced that. Yeah. Even even with uh, like even with Iris, like we are we are very close with Bethel. Yeah, you know we are, gosh. and they they and we're we're a totally different, not different. Yeah. Like yeah. we all value yeah, yeah. a lot of the same things, but we're totally different. You're shouting, di- yeah, you're shouting different things of, of our faith, yeah. and 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 Bill's like, come, yes. you know, oh my this, gosh. like do it, whatever we yeah. can do to help you yeah. run. And so I I love that. Listen, yeah. I know you don't have a lot of yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, couple things. Yes. Any mom, dad, grandma, grandfather that's out there freaking out about their kids. Yeah. Like oh what is what is a snippet of advice yeah. you can give to them yeah. on how to reach them, how to yeah. how to you know how to yeah. how to pastor them in the middle yeah. of this and encourage them. Well, there's a side of me that's like from the kid who encountered the Holy Spirit, right, and then right. there's a side of me who's like the young adults pastor. Right. <laughs> there's a side of me that encountered the Holy Spirit. It's like okay, your prayers don't go unanswered. There's yep. that just that reality of not giving up. And the part for me of like um, my parents never um, never created distance in my dysfunction. Yeah. Like my unhealthy season didn't cause my parents to distance themselves from me mm-hmm. or create an, a, a unique manipulative shame. Like my parents were buying into everything that I was doing, like being able to be like, hey, what, what, what sports are you playing? Let's get mm-hmm. in. Let's. So they were so supportive. And so I never felt them like, I never felt them in a way that made me I hate myself for where I was like at. Pull back yeah, pull back. Even, yeah, even no. Regardless what you're yeah, in. they were yeah. constantly in the game still with me, yeah. just regularly showing me like we're gonna. It's like the goodness of God that was leading me to repentance. Right, right. just consistently just there. having them in there. Yeah, just being. And in your the brothers game. in ministry too. Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Uh, now, yeah. do you have other? Yeah, I have two other brothers. Yeah, you have two other brothers. Yeah. Are they both in ministry? No, my okay. other brother is a manager at a coffee shop, and then my okay. other brother is a cop. And so I thought and, you had one that's uh, pastors yeah. at the yeah at the starting. That's my older brother. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so I got older brothers, a pastor up the road, and then I got two other brothers. But then the, the other, to answer your question about the about them would be about young adults and talking to them, I, I would say create room for listening mm-hmm. where it's just, it's going, tell me more about this. And then the follow-up question is, what are you trying to protect? Like this is, this is our, in our theology conversations, this is the go-to question is when we're coming in with either a a perspective that we feel like it strongly or a question that's really ramped up is go, what are you trying to protect? What is the thing you're worried is going to be lost? Yeah. What are the thing you're worried is like going away? What is the yeah. thing you're worried about is wrong? What are you trying to protect? What's the thing versus tearing this thing down and tearing that thing down and tearing yeah. that thing down? What are you trying to preserve? Like, what are yeah. you actually going like, I want this. Right. And being able to listen to them go, oh, Oh, I, I actually just want Jesus to to feel real. I'm like, oh, okay. You so what makes him not feel real to you? Hmm. When he looks like a political Republican that's sitting and watching, like he, it's really hard for me to follow that Jesus. Right. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, got it. I understand. There, that would make sense. And you listening to that next generation's questions is the gateway into their encounter. Right, Jesus was very comfortable allowing a question of a person to be a gateway into an encounter, hmm. and so he didn't he didn't scold them for even Thomas. I think I have a totally different perspective on Thomas <laughs> than most people have, but it's the idea that give it to Thomas, us. Come Thomas's on, Thomas's doubt in that moment, right? Thomas, Thomas. First off, Thomas is with the disciples. Yep. So we're not talking about a guy who's abandoned everything, right? With the disciples, and so then in Thomas's, uh, we read Thomas with the tone of rebuke, right? Mm-hmm. But Thomas is essentially goes to Jesus and he's, he's sitting there and he tells the disciples, he's like, I have to touch his hand and his, his scars. So Jesus, does, Jesus comes into the room and he bypasses everyone with faith, with faith. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go to them. He goes to Thomas. 
So right away we have this unique, okay, what is Jesus going to say to the person who has questions? Right. right. And it's saying, Jesus, I only, unless I see your hands, unless I see your scars, right. I'm not going to believe. But what we read, Thomas is going, I'm not going to believe unless right. I see that. Thomas is saying, I want to trust him. I need to see the scars of that moment to understand this is him. Like, I need to know this is him because I'm yeah. about to give my whole life to this thing. Yeah. And so he, has, he doesn't have this like, like antagonistic doubt. Right. He, he has, and so Jesus bypasses all the people with faith. Yeah. Goes right to Thomas. Yeah. And he doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't go, Thomas, why did, why did you have this question? Why did you, why do you want me to prove myself to you? Doesn't. He goes, Thomas, put your hand in my, in my, yeah. my scar. Yeah. Touch my hand, touch my side. Yep. He creates Thomas's, his question into a place of encounter for him mm. to know him. And then he goes, he tells him, blessed are those who believe without seeing, because he's telling Thomas, I'm hoping you'll go into mystery now. Yeah. I'm hoping that you, now that you've encountered me, you'll be able to live without seeing me. That's a good word, man. And so he goes from encounter to mystery and is able to embrace believing without seeing. Yeah. And so I think that's what's happening with this next generation going, can you encounter him in your right. questions to lead you to a place where you still have questions and still have mystery? Come on. Yeah. At least Dude, that's what I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> I, I know you got, you got a jet, yeah. but... I'll only let you go yeah. if you promise to come back sometime. Yes. Oh, Let's do this again. Yeah, if you bring like coffee do, and toast, yes. Dude, I will bring you as much uh, <laughs> I like good food and coffee, so it's as good. As you want. Yeah. You make sourdough bread. Yeah, I, no, I did. You it's did? really hard. Yeah. It takes a lot of work. I make more pizzas. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you like you I like to cook. It. Yeah, I do. It's yeah. good. My, my wife would probably like me to cook a whole lot more. <laughs> Dude, I just need to admit, <laughs> yeah. I watch you constantly. That's awesome. Um, When you're not, like, I come and see you live. <laughs> I watch you constantly as you're jogging. Up and down the street, right next to where I live. As I drive home, that's awesome. I see you. Oh, doing the CrossFit, the CrossFit. Dude, that's you, so funny. you live. I, I live. Like, what is he saying? I know, running. It's I'm like, creepy. I'm like, oh yes, CrossFit. <laughs> no, yes. I I drive home and I oh. drive right past yeah, yeah, your yeah. CrossFit gym. Yeah, yeah. And I just see you Always like running. cruising around yeah. out there in pain. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be like at a restaurant there eating. Yeah. And I just see you running by, and yeah. I just go, "Yep, this is my life choice, <laughs> and that's yours." <laughs> so. <laughs> Awesome. Next time I'm going to throw some shrimp at you yeah, as, you're, as you're running you by. Just come. I'll just be like, come on, man. Just come to the dark side. Yeah, exactly. Just come where I am at this table and <laughs> we will awesome. feast together. That is awesome. Dude, CrossFit. Yeah. Are well, you sure about it? Yeah. I don't. I, I, did, I did jiu-jitsu once with my brother. I saw I got, it. I I saw got, it. Yeah. My brother freaking wins the championship in jiu-jitsu after doing it for like a couple months. Of course. So I go, and go with him. First day I get injured. I'm like, I've been doing CrossFit for three and a half years, four years, and I haven't been injured. I do one day of jujitsu and I get injured. CrossFit gets flack for getting injury. Only it people does. who don't know how to do stuff get hurt. But I feel like that's everybody that's doing CrossFit. None of them yeah. know what they're doing that's, until you get really good at it. But anyway. That's true. Jiu-jitsu, yeah. dude, go back to jujitsu. No, I'm all right. Come I'll on. You really want to. I like CrossFit. Let it be a family thing. I no? can't. I can't. But you can't choke anybody yeah, out. We all used CrossFit. to play professional paintball. You did? Mm-hmm. Well, this podcast is never going to end. Come on. We were just, we did the rabbit. We got to, I just got to come back. You, you got to, you got to go. It yeah. is time. Yeah. Chris, next yeah. time I'm going to bring a jar of honey. Okay. Right. Yes. And uh, you bring some sourdough yeah. bread or, or a pizza. I'll bring you a pizza maybe. And we'll do dude. it again. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for coming of course, on. My gosh, Seriously. Yeah. And so much fun. I, I, uh, I'm looking for more ministry invitations. Yeah. Hey everybody. Thank you for, <laughs> for, <laughs> for watching. I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm just kidding. Thank you for watching. Uh, <laughs> That's perfect. Dude, I just want like a wide brim hat now. Thank you for watching uh, (laughs) this episode of the Iris uh, Green Room.
global. Ira's yeah, a global. global. Green, global you gotta say global. Has to say global. And uh, with Chris Cruz, uh, hey, if you liked it, which of course you did, you wouldn't be watching yeah. it all the way through. Yeah. If you didn't, if you liked it, click subscribe. Do all the things that the younger generation tells you to do <laughs> at the end of a, at the end of a video, which I don't really know what, but do all the things that Chris tells you to do, and uh, we'll catch you on the next uh, Green Room podcast. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. That's it. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Bro, we could go on for hours. We're gonna, we'll do stuff. it again.